Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the C4SO podcast. I'm Ben Sternke. I am your host, and today we're starting a new series called Advent Hope in Harsh Times. 2020, by anyone's estimation, has been a harsh time. (laughs) It's been a bit of a year. Uh, We've got all kinds of uh, things happening, obviously, early in the year. uh, The pandemic hit, and uh, we've been dealing with that since then. Uh, But also add to that a very contentious uh, election, um, new awareness of injustice, protests in the streets, um, unrest, and fighting and antagonism in our own families. All of this has added up to a very harsh time uh, in 2020. And so we want to talk with canon theologians. We're going to talk with some of our clergy uh, over the next six weeks about where we can find hope in these harsh times, how we can uh, continue to put our hope uh, where it belongs without losing our awareness and our ability to name and feel the difficulty, the pain, and the grief uh, of what uh, we're going through in the midst of that. So uh, this is the first of those uh, conversations uh, that we're going to start. We're starting with uh, the Reverend Dr. Emily McGowan, who is one of our canon theologians and a professor at Wheaton. And she has some really helpful things to share in this interview about the second coming of Christ and its place in our Advent worship, uh, and also um, its place in our thinking about how we live um, in 2020 and beyond, post-election, etc., etc. As always, I would ask if you are enjoying this podcast, please do give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. It really does help people find the podcast. Also, consider just sharing it with somebody that you know listens to podcasts and um, whom you think would enjoy and be edified by the content that we're putting out. I think that's it for now. Friends, enjoy this interview with Emily. Reverend Dr. Emily McGowan, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Woohoo, Ben, our Thank first you. guest. And she's it's yeah. so great to have you, Emily. I'm honored. Thanks. I'm very happy yes, to be here. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to have you. Um, Emily McGowan is one of C4SO's canon theologians. And um, she uh, I I personally am super grateful to have you in that role, uh, Emily. Um, Thank you. uh, you're a gift to our diocese, but, um, just for our listeners, if, uh, they're unfamiliar with you, maybe just give us a little introduction, who you are, where you live, uh, what you mm-hmm. get up to, um, your vocation, all that kind of thing. And, and Emily, maybe okay. say a bit about how, what a canon theologian is and oh, yeah, how basically they keep the bishop out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you add well, that. I think you said it. <laughs> I tell my students a canon theologian is like the on an on call theologian for our bishop when when he needs yes. us. Um, so yeah, consulting on all sorts of things. Um, my my day job is that I am a, a assistant professor of theology at Wheaton College, where I teach undergraduate theology courses. I occasionally teach in the graduate school, but mainly undergrads. Um, I'm also a mom. We've got three kids. Um, one just started middle school, the other two in elementary. 
I'm also married to a priest, Ronnie, who is right now uh, not serving a parish full-time. He's assisting clergy at our church, Church of the Savior in Wheaton, and taking care of our of our munchkins. So <laughs> yes, very good. Yeah. I'm also, I also write, yeah. um, I'm working on a couple of books now, one on the season of Christmas, oh. but we won't no, talk no, about no, that. We're doing Advent Advent first. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one on a theology of the family, which will, is a couple of years out. Okay. But very good. I'm yeah. I'm always that. curious. Uh, that's, a, that's, I'm glad you volunteered that information. I'm always curious what, um, the theologians, uh, and the biblical scholars that I respect are working on right now. So, it's good to hear that. Um, so, Emily, we wanted to have you on the podcast. We're starting a new series today called Advent Hope in Harsh Times, and um, wanted to just have you reflect uh, a little bit on uh, those themes. Um, and we were talking just a little bit before um, this this podcast, and um, Advent starts in a couple weeks on November 29th is the first Sunday of Advent, isn't it? Um and so we were just talking before we hit record here about some of the things that you've been thinking about, and you mentioned uh, the fact that the theme for the first Sunday of Advent is typically the it's you know we think of Christmas we think of Advent as sort of getting ready for Christmas oftentimes, but actually the theme mm-hmm. for the first Sunday of Advent and and for the season of Advent um, is the second coming uh, of Christ. Right. And so it's kind of interesting how time sort of gets collapsed in this in this season that begins the year that actually we're looking toward the end. Um, and, uh, so anyway, so I wondered if you had any, uh, just reflections on that, just in terms of how the second coming of Christ, uh, informs our Advent hope, um, and mm-hmm. just how, why that matters for us t- today. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, Advent is really unique because it's, it's the season of the church year that is actually looking toward the future. All the other seasons are in some ways looking back, right. And remembering right. things in Christ's life or the, mm-hmm. the church's life. Um, but Advent, as it was especially celebrated and conceived in the Reformation, was very much about watching and waiting for Christ's return. Mm. And if we're looking for hope, <laughs> I can think of no better place to turn right now than than that reality, that, um, that this world is not left to run on its own, that this remains uh, the work of the triune God, and that when the time is right, the time that only the Father knows, that Christ will indeed return and set all things mm. right. Um, I mean, so there, there are. We have to acknowledge there are parts of Advent that are looking toward Christmas. That's the first Advent, right. of course. So we are, we are looking toward, um, you know, God's initiative to come to us in the incarnation. Mm. Um, but we're also looking toward that future victory because, in the meantime, we are living in this present, already not yet reality. Uh, where we have to embrace a cruciform life in the midst of a world that's not as it should mm-hmm. be. Um, we have the Spirit of God as the um, deposit, the the proof that Christ will indeed return and set all these things right. But in the meantime, we're living in this, what Paul calls this present evil mm-hmm. age. And we desperately need um, God to bring our deliverance. And that will finally come in the return of Christ and and judgment. Mm. which we don't normally look forward to, but right at this moment, I'm kind of looking forward to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe say a little bit more about that, about um, the themes of judgment. I was, I was remembering that um, one of the traditional, you know, there's um, sometimes over the four Sundays of Advent, uh, there's been traditional words associated like 
uh, joy, mm-hmm. peace, hope, and love, I think are the, th- are the four words. Um, but actually, I read something a few years ago that was saying the actual, the traditional uh, four words for the four Sundays of Advent were heaven, hell, judgment, death. Uh, maybe not necessarily in that <laughs> right. order. But uh, <laughs> I thought, oh, wow, that, those are, those are uh, darker themes than we're used to thinking about, you know, um, on Black Friday yeah. while we're shopping for TVs and looking for deals and things like that. Um, but maybe say a little bit more about that. Why, why are you looking forward to judgment and why is that good news for us as Christians? Yeah. So judgment is to be anticipated and welcomed because things are, are really bad. Like sin actually is bad (laughs) and sinful people do bad things and wreak havoc on the earth. And it feels like, especially in this hyper-connected world we're living in, we are all the more aware of that reality uh, every day. Um, All the brokenness and harm and trauma that's being experienced. I feel to me as though a lack of a lack of concern or welcoming of judgment must go along with a lack of concern about sin. But if you think that sin it really is bad, and I'm not just talking about personal sin, although that's that's part of it, but also like communal, systemic, national, global effects of sin and yes. evil, um, we welcome God's judgment. We welcome God's word to say, this is right, this is wrong, mm. and and I'm going to, to bring justice, yeah. to bring true shalom. Yeah. And we can't have that without judgment. Yeah. Um, we have to acknowledge that things are as bad as God says that they are, yeah. um, that we really have wreaked havoc with each other and with the world. Um, I think that that's something we should welcome. Yeah. I think these are my words, Emily, not to my knowledge, not Tom Wright's, but I think I picked up this idea from Tom somewhere, you know, in his writings, sort of explicating the full meaning of the Hebrew word, especially for justice, that it's sort of God's design, divine insistence. Like he's just has been insisting and someday will finally insist on things being Mm -hmm. the way he um, arranged them to be. Yes. And thanks be to God for that. Because we are mucking it up big time. Like as much as we might try, yeah. right? I mean, and and so many have put forth so much effort to make things better, and we should continue to do yeah. so, right? It's part of our our cruciform mission in the world to yes. seek God's justice and shalom. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's so obvious we have limits, and that there's only so much we're able yeah. to do. And so, you know, like Revelation says, "Come, right. Lord Jesus, yes. yeah. please." Yeah. yeah, I was reflecting on a. I read a little book by. Um, uh, ben Myers, a while back on the Apostles' Creed, um, a theologian from Australia. And I, I used one of his phrases in a sermon that we preached about uh, some of this stuff. But basically, uh, and it's a, it's a phrase that's helped me reorient my consciousness around judgment, where he says that uh, Jesus Christ, you know, the Apostles' Creed, this is the, the, the future tense of the Apostles' Creed. It's mostly past tense. We've got one clause that's present tense, like uh, Jesus Christ has ascended, right? He is, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And then the future tense, where he says he will come to judge the living and the dead. And his phrase in this book uh, was, he will, Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead, and that will be the best thing that ever happened to us. Yeah. Right. right when when God sets right, not just the bad stuff I see out there, but also like my own right. bad stuff. The the fact that I can't seem to make heads or tails of you know I'm trying to be a good person, but I can't 
make heads or tails of it. I muck it up every day. Um, and so God's going to sift and sort me, but God's also going to mm-hmm. sift and sort the world and, and name things. Like you, you, we can't be healed of these things until they're named as wrong. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yes, that's beautiful. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about um, this tension. I think, um, you know, in, in terms of uh, theology, you, you're naming this tension between we, like our only hope is Jesus, right? Jesus has to come and, and fix, we're not doing okay. <laughs> you know, like we need a savior. Right. We need somebody to save us. Um, but by the same token, you also say we should continue to work, right? So there's this tension mm-hmm. we're living in between participating in the kingdom, knowing that we're not going to be able to bring it fully in our own strength without Jesus intervening and, and coming. Um, and I, sometimes I see these, uh, I think, s- swings back and forth in th- theological themes where I think the swing for a few years has been important from this kind of pie in the sky. I don't know. You know, Jesus is going to come back and sort it all out. So whatever, like there's a big shrug that kind of happens. And there's been a helpful swing in to say, no, actually we're called to participate in God's justice today, mm-hmm. God's kingdom now. Um, but then, you know, the tendency might be to let go of this future hope. Um, and so I don't mm-hmm. know if you could speak to that a little bit. Of like, how do we live in this tension of of knowing both I am called today to participate, but I'm also mm-hmm. called to put my hope in Christ alone as the as the one who's going to sort this all out eventually, ultimately. Yeah, no, that's and I, I felt that tension myself. I know that in my own growth and the growth of, of a number of friends of mine, we we've made that shift as well from a co- sort of quietist like we don't really need to do anything to help because Jesus is coming back to a very active, no, we have a role to play in the world. And that that shift is positive, I think. Yeah. Um, but I think it is it is concerning, and I see this especially in my mm-hmm. students, that in that shift we don't turn from operating in um, God's God's strength to operating solely in our yeah, own yeah. strength. And I don't mean that in like a cliche. I really do mean that, that we are working not from a sense that it depends upon us, but in a sense that this is God's work, God's project that we are invited to participate yes. in, but it is in fact God's project. Yeah. And so we ultimately wait for God to be the one to, to set all thing, these things right. Mm. So how do we do that? Well, I mean, I think we need <clears throat> we need to be taught and preached to mm. about the fact that this is God's work, yeah. and it's God's kingdom, and that and that the second coming is a thing that we still affirm <laughs> as Christians. Um, so, I think our preaching and teaching has to to have that as a focus. It our preaching cannot only I don't even think that I would say primarily emphasize what we do. Yeah. But, but in fact, what God is yes. doing, the subject of most of our preaching and teaching should be what God has done, is doing, and yes. will do. And that will help us, I think, have the proper, at least in part, the proper orientation. Yeah. Um, I think the prayer book helps with this as well. Like, I don't, I don't, I hate to be like super Anglican here, but I think that this prayer book is good well, for, yeah, right? Sure. That it, it gives us the like proper orientation in our prayers yeah. Uh, in the readings that yeah. we do to be reminded of that fact. If we're totally immersed just in our own efforts, mm-hmm. uh, we are we are going to miss yeah. that. Um, it has to be proclaimed yeah. to us, and we have to, to speak it over ourselves and have it spoken yeah. over us. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we are an Anglican diocese, so you don't need to worry about being too Anglican. I, I think that's okay. <laughs> well, it feels sort of like, well, of course. <laughs> of course. Because, prayer <laughs> book. She's a canon theologian. No, yeah, really. yeah, yeah. no, no, I think it's important to emphasize. Um, it really is. Um, and I, I hear what you're saying. Um, and, and a lot of what I hear you saying is that um, the, the preaching and the immersion that we do in the prayers and in our liturgical practices and all of that kind of thing, it's less about uh, instructing us in like what to do today and more about renewing our imagination for what what is the world like? Like what is happening in the world right now? And so we do, we do need to log off Twitter every once in a while, right? Because it's like Twitter sort of, I'm just using it as a foil, but you know, like social media, the news, all of that kind of stuff. It, it's important to be connected to those things, right? Because these are things that are really happening in our world. But But there's this sense in which those things present themselves as the world, like this is reality, you know, um, and immersing ourselves in good preaching and in the prayer book and those kinds of things help us to realize, no, actually there's a deeper reality that has God at its center, that this okay. is the reality I'm participating in. And this is the imagination then that can inform how I act today, how I participate today, um, you know, yeah. how I practice hope today. Absolutely. I mean, I, it's funny because uh, when I was in youth group, you know, there was this cliche saying, you know, garbage in, garbage yeah. out, right? And when I, you know, when I got more mature, I was like, oh, no, I can listen to whatever I want. You know, that's legalism, you know. Yeah. But now that I've like matured even more, I'm like, well, <laughs> there's actually yeah. something to yes. this, right? That if we're not filling our imagination with the things that are really real, Again, not to say that the news and what's happening is not real. It is, and it affects real people. And we have the right to to be concerned and to mourn and lament and 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 get angry, right? We, all those things are real. But what's really real about the world is that the triune God uh, is the source and the ground of all that yeah. exists, and that that God is leading us toward His promised future. Mm. Um, so, for me personally. Every night, uh, just over the past couple of weeks, I've been going to bed with Fleming Rutledge's book on Advent. And I've jokingly started saying as I open it up, okay, Fleming, make it better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I, I just, I need these good, deeply biblical words, you know, spoken over me about what's really true about the world and our hope, uh, our hope in Christ. Hey everyone, it's time for the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. This is a brief segment of our podcast where we highlight the specific ministry we're praying for this week in our diocesan cycle of prayer. We're hopeful that this gives you a little taste of the variety of churches that are part of C4SO. This week, we are praying for Christ Church in Austin, Texas, led by the very Reverend Cliff Warner and they are asking for prayer for three things. One, Christchurch's Christ Advent of Care, where they invite every parishioner to do a soul care checkup and to demonstrate an act of care for someone outside the church during the month of December. Also, please be in prayer for their vocational formation initiative. We'll put a link to that in the show notes, which is led by Reverend Dr. Bill Walker, a friend of mine, actually. Uh, which is seeking to enable every parishioner to better understand Christian vocation, to know their own vocation, and to be taught, supported, and connected, and commissioned 
in their vocation. Thirdly, please pray for the witness of Christ Church in the city of Austin during the East Austin Studio Tour, which is happening November 14th through the 22nd. Christ Church is one of many studio or gallery stops each year on the walking tour, and it gets uh, the building gets visited by several thousand people annually, uh, with several Christ Church artists displaying their works and showing hospitality to guests. So please pray for their faith and arts ministry as well, as they seek to grow artists both in spiritual formation and in excellence of craft. We'll put a link to all of those things in the show notes if you're interested in finding out more about Christ Church and the work that they're doing, or if you'd like to contribute uh, to their work. Uh, We'll close here with uh, a prayer for Christ Church. Uh, This is prayer number 11 from the Occasional Prayers in the 2019 Book of Common Prayer on page 649 for the local congregation. Let's pray. O God, the Holy Spirit, sanctifier of the faithful, sanctify Christ Church by your abiding presence. Bless those who minister in holy things. Enlighten the minds of your people more and more with the light of the everlasting gospel. Bring erring souls to the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and those who are walking in the way of life, keep steadfast to the end. Give patience to the sick and afflicted and renew them in body and soul. Guard those who are strong and prosperous from forgetting you. Increase in them your many gifts of grace and make them all fruitful in good works. This we ask, O blessed Spirit, whom with the Father and the Son we worship and glorify one God, world without end. Amen. So for our listeners, we're, we happen to be recording this podcast uh, the day after the election. Yep. Also at a time, Emily, when um, cases of COVID and hospitalizations are going up. I haven't heard deaths going up yet, thank God. But you know, everybody seems concerned afresh about, you know, what this winter could be like. And, mm-hmm. and of course, no one knows for sure, but it's possible that, you know, come the third week in December that we will all know somebody who's grieving a relative or a friend who's dying or in the hospital on a, you know, intubated or whatever. So again, I don't mean to be all doom and gloom here, but just to kind of set the backdrop in which we're having this conversation. Um, so where do you see, not just the, the, I mean, you could touch on it theologically, but also practically, where can we try to find signs of hope in, you know, uh, it makes me think of like, what was Christmas like in world in one of the world wars or, you know, during a, another pandemic or something, how do Christians go about finding hope without it feeling like it's cheesy or not real or something? Right. I mean, for me, the first thought that I, that I, the first thought that I have about that is the, is to get radically local, mm. <laughs> radically small yeah. if necessary. Right. That, um, because for me, at least, um, hope is not to be found on Twitter. Ben, like you <laughs> mentioned, hope is not to be found in these kinds of stories, but, but what about like, I received a, a note of encouragement from, um, from somebody, an alumni at the school recently. And that was like, that was like profoundly mm, encouraging yeah. to me. Um, today, um, Ronnie is actually baking bagels for us. <laughs> like as small as that is, you know, he said, you know what, now is the good time for us to, to make something. Yeah. 
to, to make something with our hands, mm. to be reminded that creation is good. And this is God's good gift. Um, to it's, it's actually got sunshine outside mm. today. So I plan to go sit outside and just be in the sunshine mm. um, to invite my kids to join me. Um, and I know that sounds really small, but I actually think when you're in the midst of something like this, we have to look to the small, mundane, daily things as the places where God is still present and at work, because we're going to get overwhelmed by by all the rest. Mm. Um, and so I think getting radically small and, and local is at least one mm. place to go yeah. for that. Yeah. And I, I hear you also saying radically small, local, but also embodied. Like well, everything yes. you're talking about is is bread that you're making with your hands. It's sunshine you're gonna feel on your skin. You know what I mean? Like all right. of these things. And and the essence of I mean to use Twitter as our foil. The essence of media is that it's disembodied. It's a screen that we're looking at. It's information that's coming to us. You know. Um, well, it it is disembodied, but it has an embodied effect. Right. That, that's right. Good. I can I can actually feel. As I'm engaging with 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 Twitter, with Facebook, whatever it might be, I can feel the anxiety <laughs> rising within my yes. body. Like I can feel the knot forming in my stomach. Yes. Um, at some point last night, as I was, you know, doom scrolling, <laughs> as we were joking about, um, you know, I, I begin to realize I'm holding my breath. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But I'm not actually breathing. Yeah, wow. Um, and, and so to be reminded that like, no, that, that I am safe in the kingdom of God, as Bishop Todd mm-hmm. likes to say, that I'm present in this body and God is present to me in this mm-hmm. body, in this place, at this time, yeah. um, like what that might take to be reminded of that is different for everybody. Yeah. But I think that's really important. Yes. Yeah. I found myself, I think it was on a, uh, another podcast, but not with Ben. I can't remember who it was with. Uh, where somebody asked me a question about this, Emily, and I found myself saying the same thing, get small, Hmm. go slow, and think really big thoughts about God. (laughs) Like just, just think the most glorious thoughts you possibly can about God, you know? Hmm. Um, And as you said, though, get just like really minutely present as you, if you can, because, you know, like 99.9% of the time we, we genuinely are safe, but we're not aware of it because we're projecting mm-hmm. ourselves into the future or we're, or we're regretting something from the past and somehow praying, paying attention to the present moment. Yeah. I think you're right is a key to finding hope and uh, maybe just like steadfastness, the ability to get through what seems yeah. just impossible right. right now. And that's not a, what, what you're saying, what you're describing, like it sounds simple, but it's no, not it's like this, this actually is a, is a, a practice mm-hmm. discipline that I've not begun to, to master. Mm-hmm. And so to, to say that we need to try to do this is in fact hard enough as it is, like simply to learn to be present in your body to the people in front of you, to the task in front of yeah. you is actually itself challenging yeah. enough. <laughs> like we could add things, you know, like read this book or do this other discipline or whatever. But I mean, honestly, I'd rather keep it small and focused on something that's actually profoundly important. Yes, yeah. yeah. Don't gloss over it and assume that because you know, it's important that you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Right. I, right. Oh yeah. I know that's important, but have I done it? Like, have <laughs> right. I taken eight deep breaths? Can I just do that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that you're right. There is a difference. There's a profound difference um, uh, between those things. You know, Emily, the other thing I hear you name here, naming here is a tension, another tension that's coming up for me that's related to the other tension we recognize, right? But the, 
the other tension we talked about was um, our responsibility to participate now versus our hope in the future that only God can bring. Related to that tension, I think, is something that what you're saying is the tension between being connected to the wrong that's happening in the world um, versus uh, sort of, um, you know, being concerned about my own mental health and, you know, that kind of thing. So how, I, I don't know if you had something that you want to say uh, to our listeners about that, because sometimes I, I feel this in my body, right? If I'm doom scrolling, which is a great phrase. Uh, so if I'm doom scrolling and I notice the anxiety rising, like how can I let my, I'm going to go outside in the sunshine. I'm going to take my dog for a walk, you know, like whatever it is for me, I'm going to have a conversation. I'm going to make some bread. Um, how can I not, how can that not turn into just an avoiding of the negative aspects of what's going on in our world? Um, you know what I mean? Like kind of a Pollyanna, everything's fine. You know, like I'm just going to ignore Twitter because it makes me feel bad, you know? Right. No, I mean, that's, it's a great question. And I don't know that I have like a, a set answer. I think that this has to be discerned mm -hmm. for us. I think individually um, there are times when I can, I can tell that it's not a lack of awareness of the problems in the world that I'm dealing with. What I'm dealing with is, is too much focus on that and not enough as Bishop Todd said, big, big thoughts about God. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think the first thing that I would want to ask is, are we actually intentional and aware of how much we are taking in to begin with? Like mm. we actually have to have intentionality and awareness yeah of what we're allowing in, how much time we're spending um, on these social media, for instance, other things, perhaps maybe talk radio, I'm not sure what else, podcast perhaps. Yeah. Um, but are we even intentionally aware of that input? Yeah. Uh, we have to start with that. And then once we have that awareness, we can then begin to maybe make changes or implement some sort of practice that provides boundaries and limits on that, um, that we think is healthy for us. I mean, so for me, uh, over about a month or so ago, maybe more at this point, maybe two months, um, Ronnie showed me on my phone how I could actually find what my um, usage was. Mm -hmm. Like you can actually get a report. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know this. You can get a report on your phone that tells you how much uh -huh. time you're spending on each app. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrifying. <laughs> it was yeah. horrifying, but it was, it was a true like unveiling to yeah. me of of where I was in fact spent. What I didn't I didn't know, yeah. right? I wasn't aware of how much time I was spending soaking in these environments that were not uh, the best yeah. for me. Um, sources of of news that are not the most helpful. Um, yeah, so I know that that doesn't really answer your question, no, but I feel like so we have helpful. to start with that awareness yeah, really good, first. Yeah. And then once we're aware, we can become more intentional, yeah. which I've, I've now tried to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. I, I hear you naming in that, like, um, yeah, there, there's there's discernment for everybody in that. But but part of that discernment has to just be awareness of, like, what what am I doing here? Am I am I being faithful by staying connected to the problems of the world? Like, is that really, is that really why I'm doom scrolling, you know, or, or am I just, you know, doing this feeding of my own anxiety, um, that, you know, makes me think I'm doing something, you know, when I'm, when I'm really not, when really the best thing for me to do right now is to make bread with my husband or go outside and, right. and take in the sunshine or whatever. So this, yeah, I mean, the, I'm no, sorry, I was go just going to say, this is just me as an amateur psychologist, but it's fascinating to me both personally and as an observer 
that those anxious feelings we get from doom scrolling, which thanks, Ben, you make me feel cool and hip now. I know a new phrase. <laughs> yeah. Use that liberally. Everybody will think you're it's, like really with it. Yeah. It's fascinating to me that how anxiety, like you have to ask, okay, why do we keep doing that? And I think because somehow it makes us feel alive. Mm. We feel something. Right. And so yeah. it makes us feel alive. And then a word like hope then can feel sort of cheesy. <laughs> you know, see what I mean? Like an- anxiety, right. that's real. Or sources of anxiety, that's real. Yeah. But sort of like theological sources of hope, I don't know, it kind of feels like we're pretending because the world's going to hell. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah and that's, I think that the other thing that it does, and this is my speculation <laughs> as well, but it does, it, even though you feel the anxiety, you also kind of think it, you're more in control. Yeah. Like you're not because you can scroll, <laughs> so you're in control, right? Yeah. I feel like I'm in control yeah. of it. Um, if I know about it, I'm somehow in charge yeah. of it, which is a lie. That's right. <laughs> that's not actually true. <laughs> um, and it it makes me think back again to the practice that Jesus encourages us to watch and wait. Yeah. Right. And when he says watch, he does not mean doom scroll. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't mean it doesn't mean total disconnection. Right. It doesn't mean total lack of awareness. But it's it's watching, yes, watching the world with like a clear-eyed, um, you know, awareness of what's going on. But watching ultimately for Christ yeah. over the horizon, yeah. right? Who is indeed coming for yes. us? Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. and who does? I think the spiritual formation lesson in this is the Christ who is coming for us. You know, uh, a robust, um, you know, orthodox eschatology is the same Christ who does come for us every day in the person and the work of the spirit. So he is coming and will come. And I think a source of our hope is tapping into the sort of present Christ who's alive and at work on the earth while we wait for sort of the cosmic Christ, we might say to, to come and change the whole cosmos. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I think that help that helpfully connects the dots then I think between this tension we're naming you know, of, of, you know, naming, yeah, it's a harsh time, uh, naming, there are very, very wrong things happening in the world right now. Uh, and you know, in our lives, obviously, and naming those two realities and then the hope that we have, you know, in Christ that Mm -hmm. the present presence of Christ through the spirit, um, is part of how then that informs our participation now. Um, and so Mm -hmm. that, that then is who we look for. Watch, watching and waiting, I think those those are great verbs because it doesn't just mean sitting on the couch and twiddling your thumbs, right? And waiting for the second coming. There, there's an active uh, present thing that I can do this morning, this you know, this afternoon, uh, this evening um, that I can do right now uh, in order to anticipate this hope, but also participate uh, right now in what God is doing. Absolutely. You know? All right. Well, Emily, it's been great to have you join us on the podcast. Thank you. you. Do you have any final words uh, for us as we um, look towards this post-election Advent Christmas Epiphany Tide as we as we move into uh, 2021? Anything you want to say to us? Well, I, I I keep coming back to. I know this sounds funny, but your four your four days that you said right, heaven, hell, (laughs) death. <laughs> like I guess I'd want to say to us, like both both uh, lay lay people and and ministers, like don't shy away from these things. Like this is a message that 
that the world needs. It's a part of the gospel that judgment is real and that Christ is returning to set these things right. And so I don't think we should shy away from that. We, we really desperately need that right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I find myself praying, as you said sort of earlier, Ben, that um, when I hear what Emily just said, it makes me want to pray, you know, even so come Lord Jesus, you know, the end of Revelation. Yeah. But it also, in my own spiritual formation, makes me want to pray, even so come Lord Jesus into my heart, my soul, you know, mm-hmm. make me a, um, a person of solution and, you know, not yes. uh, a person of cause of evil, that sort of thing. So, yes. Yeah, that's very helpful, Emily. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Emily. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.